Good morning. As you can see from the screen, the reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the people in Philippi. That's uh, Philippians, and you'll find that on page 1180, 1180 in your Bibles, and we're reading from verse 12 of chapter 3 onwards into chapter 4. So that's Philippians 3, beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is the word of the Lord. If you can keep that passage open, that would be um, really helpful on the way through. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, no matter what generation we are, uh, no matter what stage of our lives, um, we thank you that your word consistently comes alive as we read it. Will you speak to us and you powerfully change us through its influence. We pray that today you would open your word to us, that you'd speak to where we are in our lives currently and that you might help us to stand strong for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, today marks nine months. We've already said that since Kathy and I have been with you during this period of transition. Um, 
And uh, our goal for being here has been really to, to encourage you and to strengthen you to run the Christian race, as we, uh, as we uh, hope you would us, and you, you certainly have. Um, I just love the Olympics. I love watching on telly, particularly the running races, particularly, say, the 1500 metres uh, and, the, and the long distance runs. I, I like watching the swimming. Um, doesn't matter how long it is, I just love to watch it. There's an excitement uh, about it and um, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's an impetus. So I, I hope that as we look at this passage today and you watch the Olympics later in the year, you'll think of Philippians 3 uh, and the encouragements that come out of this passage. It's all about running, running the race, and it's all about winning, running and winning. You joined the race when you first trusted Jesus one day in your past um, Paul has a lovely little picture of explaining that. He says, when Jesus took hold of you, someday in the past, that's when you started running your race, um, you began to trust him then, and you, you, he became the hope of your life. And um, we pray is still that that's the case. And today's passage really summarises the goal that Cathy and I have had in these nine months. Um, as we look at the passage, it's... It comes over to us as an urgent word. It's a, it's a word of the moment, uh, a word to be caught up. It's a call to action. Um, it's, a, it's a timely reminder that what will motivate, uh, motivate us as we try to run this race really well. It'll also help us to stop getting too comfortable, which is sometimes our issue, and it will help, us, help prevent us slacking off in our Christian lives. So it's a quite a powerful passage, this one and a very um, visual passage, and I hope you find it's a great impetus to keep serving Jesus as we look at it. Now, I've been running the race for 55 years. Um, I know you, you probably think, oh, really, Chris, you don't look that old. But um, thank you. <laughs> but I'm sure there are people here who've been running it for more than 55 years. How long have you been running the race? Some people have just, just started to run the race. Uh, Cathy reminded me of a lovely picture from what she'd read about... Um, uh, Mrs. Hume Moy here, um, her husband just came along to church apparently one night uh, and the next day he was walking, he used to get up early and he'd, he'd walk to work and he was walking past here. Um, uh, Reverend Begbie, who was a minister of the time, used to walk up and down the grass here apparently when he was doing his quiet times and he went past and uh, Reverend Begbie greeted him and he said, oh, weren't you at church last night? And uh, Hugh Moy said, yes, he said, and then Hugh Moy asked him a question. He said, did you really believe what you were saying last night? And um, uh, Mr. Bigby said, oh, yes, I certainly do. And Hugh Moy said, um, I'm not ready to meet Jesus. And so uh, Mr. Bigby said, well, come or we can do something about that right now. He took him inside and he was converted in the rectory <laughs> uh, here at St. Stephen's. And Bishop Hugh Moyer, of course, went on to have a wonderful ministry here in Sydney. So that's, that's a great encouragement, isn't it? Just to, to see you're, you're on about your normal things and God gives that wonderful opportunity. How long have you been running? Now, I need to say at the beginning that it's absolutely true that our majestic, wonderful God um, will help you finish this race. He will because... Uh, that's his call and he has promised us. So he will see that we get through to the end. 
But at the same time, uh, for you and I, there's the responsibility of the way we respond to this magnificent gift of salvation in Christ. And today's passage is really concentrating, in case you're wondering, it's concentrating on that side of our response. Other passages talk wonderfully about how God will bring us through. Now, it doesn't give us any simple answers. It really gives us uh, encouragement just to keep going. It's not a, the Bible is not a, you know, five easy steps to success, like you get down at Kurong if you want to talk about leadership. You only know, get the, the seven necessary steps to good leadership. You, know, you get all that sort of thing there. That's uh, not that sort of book, but it parallels Hebrews 3. And Hebrews 3 says, Hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. So it's a call to perseverance, a call to perseverance. And I, I thought, well, perseverance is, is something we need constantly all the time. How can we um, be encouraged in that? And I found this great example. Most of you will, have, will know John Wesley, not personally. He's been dead for some years. But, um, but you know of him. Uh, I found a little excerpt from his diary, his diary. And it came at a time when... Um, uh, Preachers who preached the gospel, evangelical preachers, were, uh, were not really welcome in Anglican churches uh, in many places. Um, and there were instances where, uh, Matt, close your eyes, close your ears, where um, uh, associate ministers were thrown out of the pul pulpit bodily by their rectors for preaching the gospel. <laughs> I'm glad we don't live, because I couldn't lift Matt anyway. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Here's his diary. Sunday a.m. May the 5th, preached in St Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. <laughs> P.M. May the 5th, preached in St John's, the deacon said, get out and stay out. Uh, the next Sunday, May the 12th, I preached in St Jude's, I can't go back there either. Um, the following week, the 19th, I preached in St somebody else's, deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't come back. Um, that evening, May the 19th, preached on the street, but I was kicked off the street. May the 26th, the following week, I preached in a meadow, but I was chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Um, June the 2nd, the next week, I preached out at the edge of town, but I was kicked off the highway. Uh, June the 2nd, in the afternoon, afternoon, I preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me. Now, that's not a bad example of uh, perseverance, is it? <laughs> um, and we know that John Wesley went on to have a wonderful ministry uh, in all sorts of ways. We sing a lot of his hymns. Now, our shared goal as Christians is a magnificent goal, isn't it? it? If we look at Paul's confession earlier in this chapter, um, it, it's very telling. Once he thought he was doing so well, uh, here he is, he's a successful man, he's got everything going for him. But now his goals have dramatically changed. Have a look at, in verses four, and, 4 to 6 of chapter 3. Yet I could have confidence in myself, if anyone could. If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Then he gives us a, a, a reason why he says that. All his attainments are very impressive. But then he goes on to say, I once thought that all these things were so very important. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I may, become, may have Christ and become one with him. He chooses terms then later in the passage like being found in Christ, having a righteousness through faith in him, knowing the power of his resurrection, knowing the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, reaching the resurrection from among the dead. And then in verse 21 he says, he talks about transforming the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. So when you, look, when you consider the way he talks about Jesus, he's really talking about being made perfect in Jesus and sharing his glory, which is our ultimate aim, isn't it? That's where we want to be uh, ultimately. We're certainly in Christ now, but we don't share everything that is coming to us as inheritors. The question is, how can we set ourselves up so that we arrive where we want to be in the end? And that's how he helps us. So let's have a quick look at that as we go through. The first necessity for running the race is to accept the reality of verses 12 and 13 uh, and keep pressing forward. Paul says it very clearly, you haven't made it yet. You haven't broken the tape yet. You're not perfect in Christ yet. God looks at you and he sees you perfect in Christ, but he's really talking here about all of the, the inheritance and benefits associated with, with being perfect in Christ. One day, yes, but not yet. So be clear, don't let your pride get in the way. You haven't made it yet to where you will ultimately be. And we think to ourselves, how many people are out there in our community here working their butts off, if I can put it that way, trying to gather up for themselves what Paul once had in abundance and now we see he very gladly has put aside. He let it go quite happily. Your life restarted when you started running with Jesus. And if we've properly understood what Jesus has done for us, we wanted to get to know him better. We wanted to get to know him more and more, become like him, because we know that to get to know, uh, get to, to um, be like him uh, is to know life in its truest reality. The more we, get to, we, we draw close to Christ, the more we can see the truth and the reality of life and how to live it. But none of us, whether we're new Christians or older Christians, uh, haven't reached that point yet. So God is calling us heavenward to, to snatch that prize, to, to get that prize, take hold of it. Can't do it without Jesus. To get you there, Paul says, he took hold of you. It's a good, good practice, isn't it, to occasionally go back and just reflect on how Jesus took hold of you in your life. He put you right with God. He freed you. And now our task is to take hold of him. He's got hold of us. Sounds a bit like a Judo lesson, doesn't it? <laughs> He's got hold of us. We take hold of him. So since we haven't made it yet, Paul is motivating us to keep running and running well. Don't just run, run well. One version of chapter 3 verse 12 reads like this. I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. Is that your motivation? Is that where you want to be? To be everything that Christ intended you to be so that your total 
um, potential is, is realised in the presence of Jesus. If you're genuinely committed to that goal, um, for as much as, as it depends upon you, you're not going to give up until you've actually reached the goal. You'll put away what, anything, you'll throw off anything, and disregard anything that might stop you from running the race to that goal. Um, Paul paints a, quite an action picture for us here. Um, you know, in the in the, the Olympics, sometimes they, they the cameras hone in and go slow motion, and you can see the muscles straining in the bodies of the athletes. Uh, that's the idea he's got here: is strain, put everything you've got into it to make sure that you get to where uh, Christ wants you to go, like a hunter chasing his prey, says Paul, or like a runner um, pursuing the leader. Uh, lap after lap and closing the gap and then finally overtaking them. In the meantime, you, you know as well as I do that sometimes being a Christian can be, can be hard. Um, it can get tiring. Uh, it can get complicated. Um, and when it's like that, sometimes it, it can seem better and maybe easier just to stop running. Take away those pressures. Or at other times it will seem more attractive just to run off in a slightly different direction that will also take off the pressures. just means you're not going in the same direction anymore. The only way to keep running straight in our Christian life is to keep our eyes on Jesus and the prize he has waiting for us at the end. And can I say, as one who has reached the age of 70, oh joy, rejoice in this with me, you don't have to be physically fit to run this race victoriously. That should be an encouragement to every one of us sitting here this morning. One thing I do, says Paul, I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. Are there things in your life up to now that keep coming back to slow you down in the race? Issues that you can't let go of? Sins that you know that you were part of and, and which you keep getting reminded of? Well, what Paul is saying is such good advice. He's saying, confess your sins to God and once you've done that, know that they are forgiven in Christ, leave them with him and don't let them affect your running forwards. Instead, strain and press on in the present and leave all that behind. Give it all you've got here and now. And keep looking to the joy of your inheritance in Jesus in the future. Um, can I just say, if, if you know you've run off the track, and we don't want to assume that everyone's doing you know, magnificently in their Christian lives at the moment, if you've run off the track, it's time to reassess your present priorities. Because often it's our priorities that are the issue. What Paul is saying to us here is don't muck around. Your perseverance is too important. Have you put yourself in the best possible position to keep running at your best? Or have you relegated things like fellowship and Bible study and prayer too far down the priority list in your life? If you've done that, don't leave it that way. Push them back up the list and keep them central in your life. And when you notice a sort of a slowdown in your Christian commitment, and we know that comes to all of us, a dryness, uh, a dry period in our Christian lives, 
That's not time to take a break from Christian things, um, which is the mistake often people make. It's not a time to stop fellowship, Bible reading and prayer, these tools that Jesus has given us to run our race. It's time to make a fresh start using those tools and to seek the Lord Jesus with renewed energy. Maybe that's appropriate to some of you um, at the moment as we start 2020. Don't become a statistic. Our ultimate destination is a gift from God that's worth every effort and every sacrifice and every pain along the way to make sure we get there in the end. Because once we're there, we will not be disappointed in any way at all. So keep pressing forward. The second thing he says is, um, to keep pressing forward, we need to be mature. Are you mature? Are you saying that because you're 80 or 85 or 90? It doesn't necessarily work that way, does it? <laughs> I've found in my own experience. Um, biblical uh, maturity has less to do with age than the way we think. When Paul talks about maturity in this particular passage, I think he's got two realities in mind, two levels of maturity, if you like. The first one is that sort of complete and final maturity uh, that is only going to come to you and me uh, when we are raised to eternal life um, by the Lord Jesus and he makes us perfect. That's, the, that's perfection in its end and completeness. It's an absolutely real and solid promise and knowing that to be true it ought to be a major impetus to us to keep running hard in our lives, but that's still future. There's another maturity that he's talking about here, which the Christian is to exhibit now as we run that race to the end. And that maturity identifies itself in an attitude. Um, it's the very attitude we've been talking about, really. It's, it's realising that we haven't made it yet. Paul says that's a mature attitude. We're not letting our pride get in the way to say, well, look, you know, we've, we've actually achieved quite a lot here at St Stephen's. My ministry's been really wonderful and, and here we are. It, sometimes our pride gets in the way. Um, Paul is saying, hang on, rather than think along those lines, think about this. Um, we've got further to go. We haven't, we're not, not there yet. Um, if we possess such maturity, says Paul, it's going to show itself in two ways. Firstly, will be teachable, will be open to God's directing. Would you say that you're a teachable person? We've learned from the Bible since we became Christians lots of truth, haven't we? Uh, how to be a disciple of Jesus. Paul is encouraging us to keep, keep reading and then keep applying because we're not just readers of the Bible, we're doers of the Bible, along with what James encourages us to do. We, we learn and we do what flows out of what we learn, both what we've learned up to now and what we're going to learn in the future. The, the statisticians tell us that as we get older, we are naturally less inclined to be teachable. Now, no comments about your spouse, please, at this point. <laughs> But for the Christian, the mature outlook is to realise how much we still have to learn about our Lord and about our faith and what's most important in the end. So are you teachable? That's a sign of maturity. And Paul is convinced here that uh, there were some dis disagreements uh, amongst the Philippians. He said, look, God will make that clear to you because God's purpose is to bring you there to the end. He's not going to let you sort of flounder as you discuss these things that in the end are not so important. Keep moving ahead. He will make it clear to you and he'll do the same for you and me. 
if there are, where there are issues um, that need to be worked on, any, if you like, mid-course corrections in our faith, God will do that for us because he wants to keep us on track. And the other thing about maturity is this. <clears throat> um, we look at the godly examples of Christian brothers and sisters around us and we then gladly do what they do. So who are the godly examples in this congregation? Who do you look to and note their behaviour? A very interesting conversation last night. We are having two with some, some friends and the fellow said when he went to church, he wasn't a Christian, but he had lots of questions and he, he, he said to this fellow, um, he was talking to this fellow and the guy said, don't, don't follow what I do, follow Christ. And he said to me, I didn't think that was right because if he's following Christ, then I ought to follow him. Because, and that's what Paul is doing. He says, Paul is saying to you and me, I follow Christ, I listen to the truth, I follow that, you follow what I do. Use me as a godly example. But within this congregation, there are many godly examples. Do you know who they are? Look to them as models. Show you how to live out the Christian life. Keep showing maturity. So keep running, keep showing maturity. And the last one is this. Remember, you are a citizen of a new country, a new commonwealth. Look at verse 18. If you're going to successfully run this race, we need to remember we are citizens of heaven now. It's a great blessing to be Australians. We, we um, they're friends last night with South Africa and they've come to Australia because things in South Africa are really difficult in their circumstances. They were saying how wonderful it is to be in Australia. It's a great blessing to be an Australian, but our greatest blessing is to know we've been nationalised as citizens of heaven. So we should think heavenly, not earthly. The people in Philippi, this little congregation Paul was writing to, they, they were part of a Roman military colony and um, legally they were citizens of Rome. And that was a wonderful privilege. Lots of, lots of benefits went with that. But they'd also learned, like we have, um, that they were citizens of heaven under a new authority. They have a new king, a new one on the throne. And he's waiting to return and finalise his reign. Now, if we've got that perspective that we're not locked in just to this earthly rule, we're actually locked in first to the heavenly rule of Christ, then um, that is going to affect the way we run our race and our motivation. So he says, look, some are out to stop you from being citizens of heaven. These apparently were people who were part of the congregation but who were pulling people away by what they were teaching. Um, and Paul says, reject those who want you to live as, as if the short-term pleasures of this earthly life are what are most important. Reject them. Now, he loves these people. He says, um, I grieve over their ungodliness and because it means that they're under the judgment of God if they don't repent. But I warn you not to follow them. So let's not follow those who think this, earth, this earthly life is all that's important and instead imitate Paul's action and attitudes, as we were saying before. Try, pray that God would help you to, to make good, godly decisions, particularly in the important things of your life. So may God give us the wisdom to think heavenly and not earthly and to reflect heaven's character. And lastly, his last encouragement to us is this. Remember your ultimate hope. 
We are waiting for our Saviour Jesus. Don't forget that we are waiting. Look beyond this present life of faith and hope. We know that on a specified date in the future, the one who has saved us from God's anger, the one who is running alongside us in the race, will return to place that ultimate prize in your hand, in each of our hands. And we will be radically transformed under his hand so that our bodies are like his magnificent resurrection body. Won't that be good? <laughs> we will know what it is to live out our full potential as fellow members of Christ's new community. Paul says his resurrection is a guarantee of yours. And his resurrected body is the prototype of what ours will be like. Well, Cathy and I, we will cherish our time here at uh, St Stephen's, uh, the time we've had among you. We thank God for your support and your encouragement, what we've learned from each other. And we certainly will pray for you all as Prash and Emily arrive for this new season uh, to coach you in this race and to run the race uh, with you. Our common future with Christ is a glorious future to look forward to. So let's make it our primary goal to share it. Let's pray. <clears throat> The writer to the Hebrew says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord, no matter what happens. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Lord of all you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, in the end it all comes down to you. Thank you for your clear and unmistakable intentions for those who persevere in faith to the end. Thank you that you've already done everything to make it happen. For the joy of bringing us salvation, you endured the cross, you scorned its shame, and you sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So help us to fix our eyes on you, so we run the race with perseverance. Each of, give each of us such endurance, so to finish the race and win the prize for which you've called us heavenward. If we have chosen poor priorities in our life, or if we've lost our vision for where we are headed, or we've been finding the going tough, please help us as of today to get back into the race with renewed vigour. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Mr.